Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Insider Matthew Collar here. And even though I have done my very, very best to talk about TJ Hawkinson's contract and Justin Jefferson's contract situations, I am no contract expert. So what we do here on the show is we find one and we know one that is PFF's Brad Spielberger. What is going on, Brad? How are you? I'm doing great and hopefully sound better to the people. Thank you to yourself for fixing my mic situation. So I'm feeling fantastic. Yeah, well, you know, it's not as easy as you think. All this beautiful setup. I mean, we make we make hard look easy. Uh, you know, that's that's what we do here in podcasting. No, I actually you just had to turn down the game. It's, it was really that simple. But uh, speaking of complicated contracts, am I right? Uh, so the the interesting thing about T.J. Hawkinson's contract, other than his hold in, which got everyone laughing about different ailments that he was coming up with uh, throughout. Um, just the flesh wound, though, he's okay, and he'll be good to go when the season starts. But the contract was sort of touted as he wants to reset the tight end market. He wants to be the highest paid tight end. And it appears that that is the case per average annual value. But average annual value doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot to how the front office can operate with other players and other contracts. So explain how we should actually view TJ Hawkinson's contract. Yeah, you know, in some ways you could argue he did reset the market. In others, like you're talking about, the way it is structured, the way the cash is paid out, you could say the team won in certain aspects. And I think a tight end in particular, a position that's often a one veteran contract position, just like a running back, you kind of hit the age of 30 and you're probably not getting paid anymore. I, I would say there's there's two things. So he reset the market by getting $48 million over the first three years of the deal. 16 million per year, obviously not in line with Darren Waller's 17 million per year, but that contract was adding on to two existing years. He's obviously an older player, might not see the end of that deal. I think you could just argue on a three year cash flow basis with Hawkinson topping George Kittle by over $2 million there. He does help push the position market forward, which is great. But then on the flip side, you look from the Minnesota Vikings standpoint, and they're paying him $32 million over the first two new years of the deal. Again, that's $16 million per year number, but you look at a Mark Andrews in Baltimore made $34.25 million over the first two new years of his extension, and George Kittle about $33.7. So, you know, it's it's there is a big signing bonus, the 18 million, all those things. But uh, I think you could say both teams won in certain aspects. I think it's good that Hawkinson pushed this market forward, but he didn't, you know, go crazy and, and break the bank for the Vikings. So am I right to understand that after 2025, or I'm sorry, after 2024, that the other part of the guaranteed money 
is in there kicks it. Is that the technical word in there? Uh, because it, it, his fully guaranteed dollar number is 30 million, but potential guarantee is 42. Like uh, what does that gap mean? How do I fill that in? Yeah. So I would say this is actually, again, a win for Hawkinson things, something we've seen mostly at other positions and, and I guess other teams as well. The Vikings do try to push back on this in some deals. So his 2025 money becomes fully guaranteed. It's currently injury guaranteed right now. So it's not completely unprotected. But in 2024, probably mid-March, I actually don't have the exact details. I'm the one who uploaded it over the cap based on some numbers I got, but I don't know the exact trigger date. But nevertheless, um, his 2025 salary of about 10.5 or 10.9 million, uh, this is bad radio, that becomes fully guaranteed uh, in 2024 and kicks in. So what we usually say a lot is virtual guarantee is that 40 million or 40 and a half million then there's two million more in 2026 that is injury guaranteed but only becomes fully guaranteed in 2026 right so the first big chunk is a year early the last little chunk is in that year and it's going to be tough for him to you know earn those later years of the contract Okay, it's not bad radio because that's why you're here is to explain how this actually works because uh, my capabilities only go so far with just reading over the cap.com. But uh, so the point being that when you have money guaranteed, which is the number that gets tweeted out by the NFL insider, that's for for injury. So should he get hit by a bus today, which might be possible considering his training camp and all the things that ha I'm just kidding. Stop. Um, but, uh, you know, were he to get hit by a, a bus today, then he would get $42 million. Right. And, uh, but it, it, the, the fully guaranteed part of it is 30. So after he makes the 30, uh, it has to kick in, but it sounds like it's almost impossible that that would not end up kicking in. So there's a way to look at it is that he's getting 42 guaranteed, which is higher than some of the other tight ends in the league. Now, the thing that people care about the most and the team cares about the most is the cap hits. And the point that I made uh, was you may look at him and say, well, I don't think he's better than George Kittle. And at Darren Waller's best, I don't think he's better than Darren Waller. And that may be true if you're only looking at that $17.1 million number. But when it goes from five this year to 14 to 15 in the first three years, to me, that is very flexible for the team to work around that. Really not a problem at all. In fact, it's about what he was scheduled to make uh, with his fifth year option this year. And if he had been franchise tagged, that's about what he would have made for next year if he was franchise tagged anyway. So in, in my opinion, looking at this, you get one of the best players at his position at a very reasonable number. He gets a lot of cash. $42 million guaranteed is what he's presumably going to make. That's tons for him. I just think that this ended up working out really well for everyone. Uh, agreed. And I think the the really the, the genesis of that opinion should just stem from, look, if you trade a second, third round pick for a player, and yes, Minnesota got back, what, two-fourths or whatever that whole deal was there. But if you trade premium draft capital for a player, you're going to pay him a lot of money, right? Especially a former top 10 pick that comes into your building and is second in receptions and receiving yards from the trade deadline through the end of the season, trailing only maybe the greatest tight end of all time in Travis Kelsey. He's going to get a big deal and so to keep it at 16 and a half million per year i know Schefter put out the 17.1 that's with incentives so we would actually ignore that it's it's a 16 and a half million per year deal um yeah it, it, and then of course 
the last perspective we always have to take. We're talking about a guy, and I think he in particular sometimes gets knocked for not being a great blocker. I think he's a fine blocker, but you signed Josh Oliver for a reason. That's what you want him to do, and Hawkinson to be a, a big-bodied mismatch. You look at the wide receiver market, $16.5 million is a fringe top 20 contract, right? So, again, they are different. I get all of that. But a 25-year-old top 10 pick with trade leverage coming off a phenomenal season, and you make him a top 30 paid pass catcher in the entire NFL. Yeah, and I think that when we've been spending a lot of the summer analyzing the front office under Kwesi Dafomensa, because the more time that goes by and the more moves that happen, the more we can say, uh, is he good at this? And when someone's a new general manager, I mean, this is the question to answer. Like, does this man know what he's doing running your football team? I mean, imagine, <clears throat> excuse me, imagine if you were uh, a Giants fan and you saw Dave Gettleman at the podium, like pretending to make fun of analytics with his fingers, you had to be like, oh no, this is not good. And then he drafts a running back and then he's like, oh my gosh, this is going terribly. Uh, drafted Daniel Jones because he saw three passes at the senior bowl. I mean, like, okay, so you usually don't know that fast that it's going to be a problem. With Kwesi Adolfo Mensa last year, uh, there was clearly, I think, a directive to compete as much as they could last year, and they did, and won 13 games, brought in a player like Zadarius Smith, brought back Patrick Peterson, who was really excellent, and they did what they were supposed to do. They kept Kirk Cousins, competed, won the division, should have gone better in the playoffs, but that was kind of the goal, right, to get to that point. And then this year have torn a major part of the roster down, but in the middle of that is trading for and extending a 26-year-old elite player at his position, not the easiest thing to do. I can't remember too many trade deadline deals where you get a guy and he becomes a foundational piece of your long-term. I mean, I, I think that as we analyze this, like this goes to the top of the lists of moves that have been made by Kwesi Adolfo Mensa. And if there's more where this comes from, I mean, that's it's going to work out well. I mean, this is, I think, one of the best moves in the NFL recently. 110%. And I think at the time we talked about maybe back during last season, I mentioned the pick swaps, right? Like you still retain draft capital, which was so important this past year when you knew you already did not have a lot of draft picks to work with coming into it. It's not just giving up a second and third to get those swaps back from Detroit, which is a mid-round pick in its own right, earlier obviously than your own picks. So you still have some access to cheap deals. But yeah, in division, I like the trade value at the outset. And then it simply could not have gone better, right? Like we see a lot where the team has a vision for a player when he comes in, but it takes a while to learn the playbook or he doesn't gel with the quarterback or, you know, name excuses or name whatever here and there. There was simply none of that. It was so seamless. The guy had 10 catches for 129 yards in the playoff game. Probably shouldn't have had the last target and the last catch, but but nevertheless, um, you know, it's, it, it is beautiful to see. I think, yeah, I mean, I could think of other moves. I, I think it is probably the best move he's made so far as a GM. Um, and again, I think it ties into, you mentioned the analytics piece, like, is it a big contract? Sure, all those things. Are tight ends different than wide receivers? Yes. But I think his example is, I still think this position is extremely devalued. I'm comfortable doing this because, look, he's the number two receiver on the team. I like Jordan Addison. He's going to be a good player. In week one, TJ Hawkinson is your wide receiver two, and you're paying him $16.5 million a year. Uh, that's what I mean. Uh, I it's I didn't have a ranking for all the moves. Probably Philly trading for AJ Brown was pretty good. Um, uh, as as part of the like best moves you could think of. 
but it's got to be in there. I mean, it would make a top 10 list of the last, you know, moves in the, in the last 365 days. And that's what you want to see is taking advantage of opportunities that are there uh, to go in a way that move was an all in toward that season. But the fact that you could extend him the way that they did after he was that kind of fit. And it also seemed in very much lockstep with Kevin O'Connell, which I think is really important for coaches and general managers to be on the same page. And it's also unbelievably difficult for that to happen. And uh, so O'Connell at the press conference, I asked him like, what, what is it about TJ? Like, why is this guy fit so well? Obviously we've seen like chase Claypool in Chicago, not so much, but uh, why, why did he fit so well? And O'Connell talked about when he was watching film of Matthew Stafford, that he kept noticing TJ Hawkinson and thinking about like, Oh, I like this guy. And there's like things I could do with this guy. And then to be able to acquire a player that's perfect for your coach and have them gel the way they did and then keep him, I think is just good for this, the synergy of, of where this thing is going to have to go with those two being on the same page. For sure. And I think it does show, look, I think we talk a lot about, you know, rewarding in-house players and, and having draft picks that you keep around and all of those things. And I think that is probably the number one most important example of kind of a trickle-down effect of roster construction. But I also think, look, the team's going to continue to bring players in, whether it's free agents or trades or whatever, and, and showing, hey, you come in, you buy into the system right away. We're going to put you in a position to succeed. We have a, we have a plan for you. I think it's going to have guys motivated and energized saying, there's an opportunity both on the field and at the bank account to, to really excel here in Minnesota. I mean, you see, you hear TJ talk about it. I don't think it's just because he got paid. Like, he sounds like he's so, so happy with the entire situation. Um, it really could not have gone more flawlessly for both parties. But, yeah, the, the O'Connell note's interesting, too. I think you could tell. Like, you could tell it was a, like exactly the kind of guy he wanted to work with uh, because it showed up right away. Yeah, not to uh, pat myself on the back for yesterday's great questions, but uh, he did talk about Hawkins and did talk about gelling so well with the culture. And he threw in the little line, well, it's not like that everywhere in the NFL. And you're like, well, where else were you uh, before this? So I, I think that the, the Vikings are building something with O'Connell and Quasi Adafo that is unique in the NFL that players have really Bit, uh, gravitated to and that I'm sure played a huge role in TJ Hawkinson staying here. But there, there are questions though. That's I mean, we, I think we're both on the same page about the move and the contract, but one of the questions that is natural here is all right, Jefferson is going to get paid the most money of any receiver. Christian Derrissaw is going to be at the very highest part of the market for left tackles next year. And you have to do these. There's no debates about them when the players are that good. Should we let them go? Like Hawkinson, you could get a little galaxy brain and be like, maybe Josh Oliver will be good. But with these other guys, no, no, there's no, there's no discussion there. How do they fit all of these contracts? Because you're going to have two, now th three elite sort of high-level, top-of-market contracts just on the offensive side? I think they already have planned for how they're going to do that. It's very simple. There are two players on the team that are among the highest-paid guys in the team that could have been extended this offseason to multi-year deals, uh, and instead they are on one-year contracts entering the season. I'm, of course, talking about Kirk Cousins and Daniil Hunter, and there is. There's an opportunity cost to every single thing you do in, in building a team and spending your resources, and those are good players, and they, they've been impactful in Minnesota for, I mean, for, for Daniil for a very long time, obviously, but th those aren't by accident. 
The, they want those guys around. And Daniel in particular, I heard it was never from them more than a one-year offer. They do like him a lot, but I think it really is – we're about to be spending like $75 million on three guys in the offense that does not include a quarterback. What are we going to do? And the second part of the answer is if you do hit on a rookie contract quarterback, you can kind of do whatever the heck you want. That's obviously hyperbolic, uh, but you can get away with a lot. Um, and you're not getting away with anything by paying Justin Jefferson. You know, he's probably the most valuable non-quarterback in the entire NFL. You, you, you give him whatever he wants. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Folks, I've been spending my summer as part of the Grill Masters Club. And let me tell you, this is a team you want to join. No matter what your level of a barbecuer, I'm a simple grill guy, but I now feel like a pro because of Grill Masters Club theme boxes, which have five curated barbecue products such as sauces, marinades, spice rubs, grilling tools, and more. Plus, each month, their team of barbecue experts creates custom recipes and tips that provide endless ways to use their amazing products featured inside each box. They also make it flexible for your grilling life, so you can choose monthly, bi-monthly, or quarterly, and you can pause update or cancel your subscription at any time you get charged once a month and then days later an amazing barbecue experience shows up at your door honestly it is fantastic it's been so helpful to me i've been getting out of the drive-through and into the backyard at the grill it's been great all summer long go to grillmasters.com that is grillmasters.com to take your grilling and smoking to the next level and get 50% off your first box with the promo code purple while you're there check out the member reviews to find out what others are saying about the month-to-month grill masters club plan again that is grillmastersclub.com promo code purple for 50% off your first box well, and we're going to get to that in a second because I want to do a mock Jefferson negotiation. For uh, But first, I mean, when as they deal with Cousins and Daniil Hunter, did signing Hawkinson say essentially that those guys are guaranteed not to be Vikings in the future? I wouldn't say guarantee. Even Kirk Cousins, I, I really think, you know, because I would probably lean more so to Hunter sticking around just because – they really need a good defensive player. He is older, but I think he probably, if healthy, has a couple more years in him. Where again, I'm not, you know, Kirk was fine last year, but you want to have a succession plan. You know, you see the Green Bays of the world that always have the next guy ready, all those things. I think either guy could come back, but I do think what they've established is we like you. We hope you like it here. We're not going to make you one of the highest paid players of your position. We're not going to give you the most favorable terms in the world. We're just banking on. Look, we'll be fair to a degree, but then you also will just, I mean, look at Harrison Smith. You'll stay in the city you've been in for a long time. Your kids can stay here. Like, it sounds like I'm kind of weaponizing those things. And, you know, to a degree I am, but but that is the business. Um, and I think that's how they'll approach it. I think if Daniel Hunter hated being a Minnesota Viking, he wouldn't have 
gone through all this you know, with his contract. I think we're going on. Is it like the fourth straight year of what's yeah. going on with Daniel's contract like every single year in the off season. And then it got serious for about four days this year where he was holding in and didn't make up any uh, injuries or sicknesses and uh, just said, I'm holding in. But uh, you know, the fact that they've done this with his contract year after year makes me wonder if eventually he puts the foot down and just says, you know what? I mean, if you guys aren't committing, that's, that's essentially what Kirk cousins told us. Like if they're not committing, that's fine. I'll just play. And then we'll go forward with our lives and see what happens. And with the Kirk thing, uh, I think that there's probably a number of wins, a playoff round that they could get to where they would have to say an, an offensive ranking where they would have to say, man, he is just the perfect fit with these guys. And we can win. If we improve the defense a little bit next year, sign an extension that has a lower hit for next year. So we get some cap space, you know, deal with that dead money, spread it out and all that. But the standard for that, I think, is just very, very high. Um, because when you start signing just good players like Hawkinson to really big contracts, it's a pretty clear signal that you're going to need that 30 plus million that would be allocated to Kirk Cousins. And everybody seems okay to just move on from Cousins at this point. So I think unless it's kind of an outlier from where we think the season is going, that they are going to move on. And then you're giving the next quarterback one hell of a setup to, to drop into. A hundred percent. And I think a couple things there. So, so first, and of course we'll see once the wins and or losses start rolling in, but I think the beauty of last year, even though, you know, you and I would both agree, I'm not going back on this, that you could argue there were some downsides to like winning so many games and, and maybe feeling a need to, to kind of run it back. But first of all, they didn't run it back. They moved on from a lot of players, but secondly, I just mentioned you get Harrison Smith to take a pretty significant haircut on his contract. You get a bunch, you have two hold ins, but you get deals done with both of them. You have Kirk, who, yeah, he's probably not stoked about his contract situation, but it doesn't seem like he's kind of, you know, ruffling any feathers as a result. Like, I think Quazy and Kevin had probably earned trust and, and credibility and respectability where they could navigate all these things, even though they've been on the job for what, 14 months or, or, or whatever it's been. So, so I think that, that, that sticks out a lot and is meaningful. Um, yeah, I, I do think Kirk would need to, like, I'm talking like maybe NFC championship game type level for them to commit again. At the same time, though, you know, I, I've been trying to get Trey Lance on the Vikings for, for a very long time. That obviously did not happen. You know, I don't really know where they turn to because uh, they shouldn't be picking that high. Uh, but I guess you never know. Yeah, and I also think that there are teams that have not picked super high and found quarterbacks that maintain their competitiveness. I mean, think about this. Like if the new England Patriots picked Mac Jones and did not hire Matt Patricia and say, got like the best receiver on earth somehow, um, like, like they got traded Randy Moss or something, you know, or whatever. I mean, how good would that look right now? Um, but instead, it was Jacoby Myers, and they let him go, and it was Matt Patricia, and it was a bad setup. But I, I feel like even with Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett, all I see all the time is how good Kenny Pickett's looking in camp, and they get George Pickens, who looks like a good receiver, and they've got a great coach and a great defense. I, I just think it's a little bit of a myth that you have to draft that guy, right, like, number one. And I even think about Dak Prescott. And, and I have a ton of respect for Dak. I think sometimes people are a little harsh on him. But uh, 
They drafted him in the fourth round, and he came in as a rookie and won 13 games. Uh, I mean, not because he was unbelievable, but because of the offensive setup they had. Elite offensive line, great running game, great wide receivers to start with. And I think we've seen that a number of times throughout history where even with Carson Wentz, we know now Carson Wentz was not that good. How about Jared Goff? Like, he gets Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Andrew Whitworth, and, and you're good to go. I think that that's what they're going to try to emulate, and I don't think it has to necessarily be number one overall. Even Jalen Hurts is a recent example of that. And I think that Hawkinson, it, it all kind of ties in together. It's like if you have these pieces ready to go, that they're going to have to take that risk, and there is always the chance that it's Sam Darnold and it doesn't matter. So, you know, I, I guess we'll see what happens there. But on the matter of Justin Jefferson, I want to do a mock negotiation here. But I, I want to ask you this question because it's sort of been the question of the week for me that I've been asking people and myself, uh, which is, can it be a successful offseason for the Vikings front office without a Jefferson extension? Absolutely. And, and I know Vikings fans probably want to see it. I, I get the argument of why not sign this guy as soon as humanly possible to a deal just because, you know, it's not quite quarterback, but receiver contracts probably at the top at least are, are not about to, you know, come down. But but the counter to that is you go look at historically first round picks that are not quarterbacks. They actually usually wait till after the fourth year. I mean, Justin Jefferson's awesome. Nick Bosa is probably as valuable or in that conversation with a Justin Jefferson. He's now, you know, a week away from his fifth season and has not signed a deal. And that is kind of the standard is you pick up the fifth year option. You go into that fourth year. Are there exceptions? Sure. Even a guy like Colton Miller you know, with the Raiders, there's a couple, you know, it's happened a couple times here and there, but the standard actually is you wait until after the fourth year. And then to the point of the market, I don't know that a player is going to come through because, look, the Bengals are not extending Jamar Chase after three seasons. I would put money on that, right? So, like, who else is going to come through and, and, and materially change what Justin Jefferson is? I'm not sure there's anyone who's going to do that. So, I would say yes. I, I'll tell you this. I actually don't think they're going to get it done before the season. I, I'd be surprised if they do. I, I, I certainly wouldn't call it a failure. But I don't know that I would go full like you can't get an A+. Uh, I've been very sure. much on board with a lot of the things that they've done. I mean, moving on from Delvin Cook, you would have thought they threw a puppy into traffic if you watch national TV when they cut Delvin Cook. But uh, having actually watched the season made a ton of sense, uh, the way they handled that. And, you know, they made themselves worse in the uh, interim to get better in the long term, which I think is something that, man, we have, you and I have been slamming them over for years. And so they've finally taken that approach. So uh, very much on board. Hawkinson, the official stance of Purple Insider was pay Hawkinson. And they did. So they've done a lot of things that I've been on board with. Don't extend Kirk Cousins. They didn't. But if you leave that one out there, it's going to make people pretty nervous. And, and I understand fully what you're saying is that it would be unusual outside of a quarterback, but this is just not any old wide receiver. I mean, this is the premier player in the NFL at probably the second most valuable position. And even our friend Haley English, when she did a study on how much Jefferson was actually worth, he was worth an average quarterback's worth in, in terms of like wins above replacement, which is near impossible for any position player. So I, I look at him as being just a little bit different from almost anybody else that we talk about in that whole third, fourth year um, extension conversation. 
No, I completely agree. I think I texted you yesterday. If you were to list out the 20, let's just say 20, most valuable players in the NFL, let's say you put Jefferson at 20. The only reason you do that is because 1 through 19 are all playing quarterback, and then he's ahead of, you know, like, he's like he's arguably ahead of, like, a Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, like where the bar is is, like, still, like, an average functional starter, um, maybe, you know, slightly below that range, but nevertheless, that's a whole separate conversation. Yeah, he is different. I totally get that. I just think their their perspective might be, his value could not be any higher than it is right now. We're not saying we're not, they're not hoping he gets hurt or something. I'm not saying that at all, uh, but there's no rush, you know, from their, from their standpoint. All right. Mock negotiation time. You are the Vikings. I am Justin Jefferson. Propose me, give, get, give me, give me what you think my contract should be. And I'll say yes or no. Wait, hold on. I have these Oakley's and Justin Jefferson wears Oakley's. I'm putting them on. Hold Beautiful. on. Glad I got to be the bad okay. guy here. Yep. All right. Propose me. Hey, Justin, this is Quazy slash Rob. How you doing? Uh, so look, you know, we love you. You know, we love you. If we think you're one of the best players at your position in the entire NFL, here's where we're going to start. Okay. You may have seen the media reports saying that Tyree kill is the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL at four years, $120 million. That is Fugazi. That is not a real number. That is not the reality of the situation whatsoever. Tyreek Hill is making $75 million over the next three years or three new years of his deal. And in our opinion, the highest paid wide receiver is Cooper Cup of the Los Angeles Rams, making $80 million over three years. So let's start with that foundation. A little over $26 million per year. We're willing to offer you $28 million a year on a four-year contract. That is where we're going to start, $112 million over four. What do you think, Justin? I didn't hear over 30. I didn't hear over 30, and I understand how things work, but I didn't hear over 30. I didn't hear highest paid wide receiver in the entire National Football League, and I understand your cap mumbo jumbo, and that's what makes you so good. But at the same time, I didn't hear highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. So what I'm looking for is I am number one at catching and running and also on Madden. So I make Kirk Cousins look really good. It, it, you know, everybody else on the whole team could get hurt. We'd still win because of me. That's a pretty big deal. No, he doesn't act like this at all, by the way. That's just, I'm just being completely ridiculous. This is not how he acts. But it's how I would act in his position uh, if I were negotiating with you. But um, truly, though, uh, I didn't hear highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. And I think it's got to be at least 32 per year AAV, or you're going to have a tough time convincing me. And when I look at my total guaranteed money, it's it's got to be at least 80 to 85 to, to beat out Cooper cup for the most fully guaranteed, or I'm just going to wait till next year. And then we'll see if I get TJ Hawkinson disease and can't practice. All right. Well, hopefully your ears are clean and not infected. I hear you, Justin. I totally, totally hear you. Here's what I'll say. You want to be the highest paid on the paper compared to these funny money contracts. Okay. We're open to that. As you're well aware, we love doing a five-year extension here in Minnesota. Brian O'Neill, most recently one of them, but of course, Daniil Hunter, Stefan Diggs, the reason you're on the team right now. Uh, we can go down the list of these long deals we like to give out. We like having the financial security. We like knowing you're going to be here. We want you to retire a Viking. Why would you not want a five-year deal? So we'll give you the 32 you want on a five-year, $160 million deal. Uh, keeps you in town for seven more seasons. Uh, what do you think about that? I really like that. 
and I like being a Viking. I look very cool in purple and it goes with my shades. However, there is a little bit of an issue. There's this guy, DK Metcalf. He's pretty good at football too. He took a three-year deal, which means that he's going to get one of these contracts again, which seems pretty smart of him. So what if I took 32 million per year over three years with a very large percentage of that guaranteed because I'm only 24 years old and it seems like it's pretty safe to guarantee most of that money. So what about a three-year deal so I can hit the lottery twice? And oh, by the way, why don't we just take that franchise tag element out of it? Why don't we also take out any trade uh, out of it that I have to approve every trade that you try to make if you were to ever do that? So I'm glad you mentioned at the top there the uh, the uniform. Like, where else in the NFL can you have your LSU colors also for your NFL team? That only exists in one city. And also, we got the gritty making money. Everything you're doing on the football field, absolutely. You're making money hand over fist off of this field, and we love helping you with that. You know we're a first-rate organization. You voted us number one in the NFLPA you know, report card for a reason. Uh, you know the great food in the cafeteria and all these things. You're not going to get that everywhere else. So – Three years we simply cannot do. You mentioned a franchise tag. We don't want to do it. We'd hate to do it. We really don't want to do it. But think about it this way. In our opinion, we might have four more years of cost control over you, Justin. If we went fourth year, fifth year option, and two franchise tags, that's that's a long time for a deal, and we're willing to go there if we have to. Would you like to play some games next year with not me? Uh, because that seems like that could hurt if you if you were to do that. I mean, it's not just missing the practice. I can also miss some games as well. I, I'll take the fines like you mentioned. Oakley will pay those fines for me as long as I wear these glasses the whole time that I'm sitting out. Uh, also, the other thing is, too, I've been watching a lot of basketball, and uh, I noticed that a lot of these basketball players, if they want to be traded somewhere, they can make enough noise and be traded somewhere. So, you know, I see my guy, Joe Burrow over there in Cincinnati. He looks like he could use another friend. I bet they would trade for me. We can reunite over there next to the, uh, the underpass where they practice or whatever. I mean, I'm look, I don't, I'm good no matter where I play. Okay. So I don't need the, the cafeteria food, even though that's great. I don't need it. So I'm just saying like, I could make a lot of noise and this could get a little bit ugly. I mean, I could pull a Carson Palmer on you if I wanted to. Look, you know Minnesota sports, all the stars eventually leave. That's what happens. So, you know, I've got a little leverage, too. I think you're kind of acting like I don't. Uh, first, I would say you've obviously never experienced Skyline Chili, which is a blessing, uh, and I would I would recommend you continue uh, in that endeavor. But, all right, here's the deal. You won three, we won five. Let's meet in the middle at four. I mentioned Tyree Kill's a four-year deal. I know DK Metcalf and a couple other guys got a three-year, but a lot of the big contracts this position, Stephon Diggs' extension was a four-year deal. We can go down the line. How about we meet in the middle at four, and we get you the most money in the NFL at $31 million per year, which, again, in our eyes, is topping a 26.67 number. We're exploding on that number, but we do think you are the best receiver in football. So four years, $31 million apiece. Let's say four years, $115. Let's make it clean. What do you think about that? How much we got of that guaranteed? You said you wanted a top Cooper Cup at 75. Let's see here. Hold on. Let me crunch some numbers here for you, Justin. 115 over. Wait, wait, wait. 31 times. Oh, that's some bad math. 125 is what I meant to say, not 115. So 125 over four, which would get you to 31 and a quarter per year. And let's say this. Let's get you 85 million of that is total guarantee 
We can talk about the full guarantee, but that's going to be the total guarantee package. Is that something you'd be interested in? Now you're speaking my language. We got ourselves a deal. How is this hard, Rob Brzezinski? Yeah, just it took us five minutes. What, what's the deal? <laughs> we worked it out. They can get this done before the season. You know what? I actually think that's a damn good deal. I'm not even messing around. I was messing around a little bit with the sunglasses, but uh, I actually think that what we just laid out there makes a ton of sense for Justin Jefferson. He has to be number one. He has to get the most guaranteed money because it's an insult if he doesn't when you're the top player. And I also think that if that it would make sense for him to want three, I've referenced the Joel Corey article where he threw that out, the reason uh, why he would want three. But for the Vikings, they don't like to do that. If they have stars, they want five. And I meet in the middle, and I think you got yourself a contract. I mean, I honestly do think that it will come out to something very similar to what we just laid out, but all the particulars are going to take some time. And I think if you're the Vikings, that right now you also know you've got a little time. But I think if you're the Vikings, what you have to know is he's going to probably catch 110 passes for 1,700 yards this year, and you're just going to have to pay more for next year, I, I think. I think the price goes up with every year. So if they can get something like that done, they probably should pretty soon. Yeah, I, I think it's fair. I mentioned earlier, like a while ago, about the you know how the top of the market's not going to change, but you could argue with how bad the mid-market has been this offseason. I mean, look, the wide receiver market was awful this offseason. It's about as bad as it gets. And guys like your your Donna Mooney's, your Gabe Davis's, whatever, like I'm not I'm not really optimistic about those guys getting deals done either because I think those teams are pointing to Jacoby Myers and Juju Smith Schuster's whatever of the world. Um, so maybe you try to capitalize on that to a degree. Yeah, his price could go up. He could have another season, set another million records, be the offensive player of the year, all those things. Um, yeah, I think term probably is the biggest sticking point. I, Minnesota probably said five. I'm sure Jefferson's agency just hung up the phone when they said five. Um, but if they but if they're pushing for three, I'm sure Minnesota also is really struggling with going down to three. I think that might be the biggest sticking. I, I don't know, but that might be the biggest sticking point of the whole thing. Yeah, it just I, I think when Metcalf did that, everybody went like, oh, you know what? That's actually a really good idea. And then when you consider Jefferson's age, if he's 24 and you're taking him to 27, I mean, that's two prime contracts, which is very rare in the NFL. And I, I guess uh, my my last question on, on the Jefferson thing, other than just, you know, do we think it's going to get done? Uh, you, you tend to not. I'm going to hold out a little hope here. Sometimes. The way that the way that it goes with these contracts is it looks the darkest before morning time. It's like uh, or whatever that saying is, because like with the Hawkinson thing, the night before Hawkinson signed, I was like, I don't know, folks just might not happen. It just felt like it wasn't going anywhere. And the same thing with Daniil, like this could last all summer. And then, and then the next day, uh, there's even reports he could be traded. And then the next day. So I'm not going to call this one yet just because we're getting closer Delvin Cook signed on the Saturday before the first game. Uh, we were doing a Zoom call with him Saturday afternoon talking about his new contract. Very much could happen. Uh, I guess it's just that uh, if they are able to sign him to this contract this year, it sort of continues that conversation of, is this worth it? How do you work around this? And I guess maybe, is there is there another example of another team who's been able to do this? Like who's been able to rebuild their whole complete roster, well pouring as much money as the Vikings are going to have to into these key positions. 
Yeah, so actually it ties into what I my first thought there. So just really quick, like why we, I talk about the term so much. It's very relevant right now. Mike Evans became the highest paid uh, wide receiver in the NFL, making $16.5 million a year in 2018. He's now trying to get that third contract. And if he doesn't get extended, like he could go the path of like a Julio Jones and be done. Like you don't know. He also could have his 10th straight 1,000-yard season um, and get paid. But but so A, that's why this, this stuff does really matter. Um, to the second point, uh, yeah, I see now I'm over the place. But look, it seem, I would say that's what I was thinking. The Buccaneers, to a degree, and obviously dropping Tom Brady into the mix is harder, easier said than done. But like they hit on so many good players. They had some pricey guys like Mike Evans and a couple others. I guess more so you had your your Godwins, your Werfs, et cetera. But, but building the whole plane and then dropping a quarterback into the mix, yeah, it's happened and it would be awesome to pull it off. It would be so great for that rookie. But at the same time, there is, and it's now, you know, because of Quasi in my mind, I think Trey Lance is a great example of where that can also kind of go against you. Because if your team is so good, you have so many expectations, and you know that a league average starter would probably win 10 games with your roster, it does kind of make it hard to have patience to develop a guy, bring him along slowly, let him make mistakes, because everyone else on the team, it would not, not to be mean, they're just like, hey, we're wasting prime years and this roster is freaking awesome. Um, so it's kind of an interesting paradigm there. I think it's a, you know, a weird example of where it almost went against Trey Lance's development. But but anyway, I, I think I missed part of the question there, but but I, that, that's what I got. <laughs> Examples of teams moving, uh, working around it uh, was kind of the thing, but you brought up Tampa Bay. And of course, Tom Brady will be playing quarterback for the Vikings next year. When he sees all this, it's going to be like, my legs feel pretty fresh. Uh, and there's some Minnesota connection. I forget what it is with Tom Brady. Maybe his mom is from here or something. I, I don't know exactly how that works out. Uh, but there is something because there's a Minnesota connection to everything. Let me throw one name at you. I'm just going to roll this out there and then you can tell me what you think of it. Kyler Murray. What do you think of that name? I think it makes all the sense in the world. I really, really do. I was joking earlier today. I think with someone like, Hey, he's probably, if they get the first overall pick, he's looking at Tampa and Minnesota real estate. Um, yeah, I, I think it is, it is completely rational. Uh, I'm sure Cliff and Kevin O'Connell have a relationship to some degree. They kind of operate in similar circles. It's, it's not a far-fetched idea, you know, at all. Uh, Drew Dinsick brought this up on the show, I don't know, in like May. I'm like, oh, I'm bringing that up for a long time. And then the way that everything's played out there just looks more and more. Okay, uh, last thing before you leave. I know you follow the Chicago Bears closely, and uh, I have not tracked Bears camp with our friend Courtney Cronin, who covers the Bears. She hasn't stopped by to talk about how it's gone. Uh, what's your? Give me a 1 to 10 on your confidence. Justin Fields takes the step forward that everyone is talking about it's like a six and a half seven it's not low i think he's going to be better i think he is going to improve i think you can't really make excuses around weapons at all because now i think he has legitimately good weapons in the backfield and as pass catchers the offensive line is still going to be probably below average but but not so horrible that you can you know like last year I just, I don't know. I, there is optimism from some reporters at a camp. There's also some, you know, beat reporters that are just love to pour the salt and, and be negative 24-7. You kind of have to sift through the weeds a little bit. I think Courtney is phenomenal, by the way. She's a great follow for any Bears fans out there uh, now that she's no longer in Minnesota. It's, I'll tell you this. Here's a good way to sum it up. The week one game against the Packers, 
is giving me the most 2019 vibes in the history of time. And for folks that don't know what I'm talking about, the Bears go 12-4 and with Mr. Trubisky. They're coming off a playoff run. Playoff game was, you know, not great when they lose in the, the double doink. But they have week one against the Packers. Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears are going to go in and take over the NFC North, and they laid a complete egg. I'm kind of getting those those vibes, uh, you know, for, for next weekend as well. Yeah, and I also feel like um, there, there's just so many weaknesses still on the roster. The offensive line is problematic. The, uh, you know, the, the 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 whole defense, really. I mean, but especially the defensive line is not scary, really, at all. And I just don't think that they're there yet. But if they end up winning 10 games, that means Justin Fields was awesome. And if they end up winning eight games, you're going to go, wait, did we do the right thing in not drafting Bryce Young? Probably, I, I would guess. And so that becomes a very interesting discussion that they've left themselves in. Uh, so anyway, Brad Spielberger, you are the absolute best, man. I couldn't ask for anything more in terms of information and a, a little more uh, entertainment than we usually even bring to the audience here today. It got, it got heated there. I almost, wa- <laughs> I almost just walked out. Uh, with the first offer. Um, but no, this was great. Always great. PFF Brad on Twitter. And uh, we will do it again very, very soon, man. When the Jefferson contract happens, maybe. So thanks for your time, buddy. You're the best. Thanks for having me.